0: That's slash fifteen to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March thirty first. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
1: HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Korin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Korin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Korin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Koren.com.
3: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. The world is changing faster than ever, and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea, you need a landing page that's bold, innovative,
1: and uniquely yours. Whatever your passion, you need a web designer with experience, panache, and heart. We can't help you with any of that. Hi, I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Greg Benson. Are we Silicon Valley tech visionaries?
3: No, we're podcast hosts. And that's basically the same thing. And we're here to tell you about
1: Ancestral Agave Syrup ancestral agave syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking, I've had 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this, you haven't that stuff is processed with
3: a diffuser, which introduces acid. Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil, and won't help you grow your brand or expand your e-commerce
1: functionality. Ancestral agave syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure aguamiel from Salmiana agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand if your brand is person who makes kick-ass margaritas or pecan pies or pancakes. Unfortunately, the families behind this
3: tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead, which would be a crime because ancestral agave syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner.
1: So... Don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab Ancestral Agave Syrup today. Our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition Agave superhero comic book. So do not wait. Protect the land, make better drinks, and save the bats by grabbing some today. Go to... Wait, what was that about bats? Uh, Yeah, it's an important food source on the migration path of the Mexican long-nosed bat. Huh. Yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to ancestralagave.com or click the link in the show notes to grab some today. Ancestral
3: Agave syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good.
1: I am Lou Bank.
4: And I am Linda Sullivan. And
1: this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps drink X partender spinners and agave, agave
4: spirits. And rural Mexico. Little heartbeats. <laughs> so
1: today, Linda, like, what I, what? here's what I want to talk about. When I, when I try to rattle off the names of brands of mezcal and tequila that are actually owned by the people who make the spirits themselves? It's like a, it's like more of a clunk than a rattle. Yeah, it's I can't a short list. It's isn't a it? it's a very very short list, and I'm trying to figure out why that is.
4: Dun 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 dun. So that's the question.
1: Yeah. So do you have any thoughts?
4: I have a lot of thoughts. Um, one, I think that we're seeing it more often, which is awesome. Yeah. I think we're seeing producer. Owned. Do you really? I do. And and even. Name, name 10. 10?
1: 10. Okay, name three. Via <laughs> Suso.
4: Lucy Pistolas. <laughs>
1: no, that's one, basically. No,
4: they're two. They have two different owners. Lucia. Well, if they have and... two
1: different owners, then by definition, you just prove that one of them doesn't follow this.
4: Well, no, that's not true because a producer can be a part owner.
1: Uh no, no, no. I said owned by the producer. Okay. I don't want any like I, none of this oh part like well we we give our mescalero five percent. No, I want to know that the person producing it owns the brand and right. can has a hundred percent say over what happens or does not happen to that brand.
4: Okay. Well then via Suso and Lucy are not even in that conversation.
1: Well, Via Suso is.
4: No, it's co-owned.
1: Via Suso's co-owned? Mm-hmm. They're both co-owned? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You know, literally. So but this is,
4: But the co-owned is not. There's there, that's not necessarily negative. This is a different. I comment. did
1: not say it.
4: Well, negative. I know, but your face and your voice.
1: No, that's fair. <laughs> my face and voice are very negative. It's
4: the only face you got, I, though. <laughs> you well, know, Look, I like I
1: I get it, and I'm not saying that that's the devil, but I am saying, I think we need more brands that are owned entirely by the people who make those spirits okay
4: i will not argue with that i i agree with you
1: and so now name three
4: (sighs) i i don't know if i can (laughs)
1: exactly my boy
4: yes so You're right. So I so you want to eliminate all the anything that's brokered, right? Even if it's brokered like thoughtfully and and well, I don't wisely want to, and with I, you know ownership part of the ownership. I don't. I'm not saying I, I want to eliminate just for, it. No, no, not that you want to eliminate it from this earth. Just from this <laughs> part of the conversation.
1: <laughs> well, well, look, okay. So I like my head goes to a guy like Alex White at Respiral. Right. Okay. I like, I like Alex is, uh, he's, he's, he's a modern hippie. He, he like, he keeps finding new ways to give his money away. He's got this, this uh, profit sharing program. So he's already paying the mescaleros, mescaleras, Mescalerexes, um, from whom he sources his spirits. He's already paying them really good rates. Right. And then on top of that, he takes, I want to say it's like 30% of his annual profits and redistributes and profit that shares. to them yeah. in a, addition to it. So so Andy's that's
4: really, they're really transparent with their numbers and that, right? Totally that's transparent. To yeah. Yeah. I like so, that
1: about them. So, you know, there's, there's a bunch of love for him. This is not me saying we need to get rid of the Alex White to the world. My point right. is, is I want to see more Lalo's. I think we need mm-hmm. more balance within the, you know, I, I don't even want to call it an industry because, you know, is it the booze industry? Like I think in, 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 Mexican spirits, I want to see more of the people who make those spirits have more control over the future of those spirits, Mm -hmm. and I think that only happens if more of them... Have a hundred percent say over what happens to their brands mm-hmm. and their and therefore the the alcohol that they make.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. I do. I also want to see more of that.
1: Well, you know, so I happened to have lunch. It was almost like a year ago, I think. Frankly, Sean's been like really annoyed with me. He, like he just stopped even asking. He won't take my calls. So, um, so I wanted to record this episode. Sean, is this Sean, like a
4: peace offering? There you go. It's <laughs> a <Sean>? peace <laughs> offering. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. So, so I wanted. Uh, so I want to run this. Quote from Sean, so that he and I can have lunch again. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's run
4: it. Yeah. This is Sean.
1: This is Sean Miller from the Packaged Group, but the PKGD Group, which is packaged. I think that's how they pronounce it. Go ahead,
5: Sean. It's a spot where you've got a a really fantastic producer-owned, you know, family-owned producer-owned brand, and they lack uh two things primarily they they lack <clears throat> intimate knowledge about how the market works inside the United States functionally, and many of them are very worldly It's not that they don't not that they haven't been to the United States that they may know more about New York City than i do but but they don't know the nuts and bolts of the distribution model and <clears throat> the gameplay of gaining the intention of of distributors so that you get into distribution right. And they don't understand marketing uh, skillfully, right? And everybody has ideas about marketing. Everybody likes to play with logos, you know, this kind of thing. Um, but they don't intimately understand marketing. So they don't understand. And, and, they, and they particularly don't understand marketing in the United States to a consumer that, that's purchasing a high-end Mexican spirit, right? <clears throat> and we bring that skill set in such a way that we can bridge that gap. Now, I don't know anything about the mezcal I, I, I know a little bit about, you know, how it works, right, and what have you. I could tell you how it works, but I couldn't do it. And, and in the same way, we have skill sets in terms of marketing and understanding how the distribution model works here that, that they don't have. And so that's, there's a unique uh, opportunity there for a partnership that's been both fruitful for us and enjoyable for
4: us. So Sean is an importer, right? Yeah, well so yeah, you know it's
1: interesting because th- there's that term importer. This is, you know, this is my frustration with a lot of words is there's a a word. It's like jazz, right? There's this word jazz. You like jazz? And I say jazz to you and maybe you're thinking Thelonious Monk when I say jazz, like in my head I'm picturing Bing Crosby both jazz, mm. two completely different things. Okay. There are importers who are like, okay, I'll get your stuff in and then I'll move it over to this person and that's it, right? But what the package group does, and I think does really well, is they do that piece, but they're really a marketing firm that helps the, helps you sell in a way that, in theory, every, every, not every, but most most of the people I know who own brands, in a way that they think that the distributor works, mm. and they don't. Right. Oh. I mean, you know this, <laughs> oh, right?
4: I don't. We're not. We can't go down that road. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay.
4: But okay. So that I like how you described. Y- yes, he's an importer, but like they do a, a whole lot more. They're m- way more involved in yeah. being the. He says bridge the gap in his know, quote, and that's a great way to say it.
1: Do you know? Do you know the whole chicken and pig story about breakfast? No. I think Both is, of
4: those animals make delicious breakfast items, though. They
1: do, they do. But uh, when you look at their commitment to breakfast, <laughs> like right, like the the chicken, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. So in this case, in this case, Sean. Well, wow, that's a silent laugh. That's a good one. In this case, Sean is the pig. You see what I'm saying? <laughs>
4: I do. I do. He's committed. He
1: didn't lay an egg.
4: He's not involved. He is the bacon. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Um and I think that what he says is right on. I the and, and this is a I've observed this to be a problem where that gap is not bridged, right? Yeah. They don't have a Sean. Of course, I do education for Via Suso and Lucy Pistola, so I kind of know more about how their inner workings are. And I've always thought that to Sean's point uh, about. Not only knowing how the U.S. market works, also trying to understand distribution here, yep. which is way different than Mexico.
2: Yeah. I mean,
4: they talk all the time about how the Suso Agave sells so differently in Mexico than it does here in the United States. Because then that's his last point, is the consumer here has a whole different mindset yeah. about what they're buying. So Lucia, in being the co-owner, right, like, so she's not the mezcalera. Right. right. Juan Pedro is the Mescalero, And then they, the Villasuso family has partnered with the Nareses to do the importing, to do all, you know, all of that. So the producers are owners, but they're not the sole owners. Right. Of and, those bottles. And
1: again, like, you know, I, and I'm not, I would never say a bad word about, about Lucia. Oh no! Oh no! She is a snow leopard. So I like. Leopard. I'm not- right,
4: she. That I wanted to say. You un- and I want to say unicorn, but Lou reminded me that those don't exist, and Lucia definitely does exist.
1: As do snow leopards.
4: Hola jefa. So so
1: <laughs> so you know, and I and I, I I think what they have is also a really unique and interesting approach to the market, and I and I love them, and I love that. But I wanna see more of these producer owned brands. Yeah. And you know, and you know, the other thing that you and I were talking about is you recognized uh the the, the name packaged, I think is what you said when mm-hmm. you were looking at that quote and you're like, I know that, I know that. Is that something to do with Sergio over Ultramundo? Yeah. And you know and um and and you know, I I introduced the two in essence because Serio was trying to figure out a different way to get into the market. So Serio is not a producer, right? And and yet Sean is very and packaged in general is very in general and packaged is uh, is focused on. Um, Not exclusively, but primarily producer-owned brands. They're trying to literally do this thing that I think is so vital. Uh, But I think it's also interesting how when you look at Sergio's brand, to me, the most important part in that brand and this is going to sound so contradictory to everything I've ever said about agave agave spirits in rural Mexico but the 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 central point to that brand is this 24,000 acre uh, ranch of wild agave and so tall. Mm-hmm. and I think that in and of itself is also important so having Sergio be the guy who owns the land determine what right so the brand in essence is then reflected by the land not by the producer mm-hmm. which I think is also important
4: well all, what you described about not liking the word importer when I Asked what Sean was, kind of true of Sergio, too. He's not the producer, but he is putting together, I mean, his passion for putting that mm-hmm. brand together and wanting to be hands-on and learn from his mezcaleros, and the, he's kind of approaching it with that same thought as, like, more than just a fill-in-the-blank, right? Yeah. Just like you're saying Sean is, like, more than an importer. I feel the same about Lucia more than just this, like, co-owner with the producer because what he's talking about, what Sean's talking about as far as not knowing what it's like here in the United States. Sergio also lives in Mexico. Like, what does he know about how people buy, how cocktails move off the shelves at restaurants? Like, that's stuff that we know here in Chicago, intimate knowledge of the place that we live, which matters for then the distribution and sale of those bottles. So I think that bridge the gap concept, I I really think that's the trickiest thing about producers being owners. Because if they're producers, inherently, Mm -hmm. they live in Mexico. Right, right. right. Where they're producing. Right, right. So that means they don't live here and then they lack a lot of that stuff. One this is one of the things I think that is so snow leopardy about Lucia is that she knows Mexico, having been being Mexican, yeah. but she grew up a portion of her life here in Chicago. Yeah. So the intimate knowledge is, I mean, and of course, a lot of these people working between the spaces are also bilingual. It's making it so much easier to understand both. Whereas a producer focused on their craft and doing it with excellence and innovation and well they're it's not really a good use of their time to be over here right they're doing what they're good at over there well so i think it's tricky it's
1: it's doing what they're good at but you know i think it's also to get to your point of that intimate knowledge i think about the brand owners who you know, even if you're going down twelve times a year and you're spending time down there, mm-hmm. your knowledge is never going to be as intimate. And it's it's so if you if you think about Sean, right, at packaged is never going to understand that twenty four thousand acre ranch the way Sergio does. Oh no, right. And but and, the
4: more he goes and visits it with Sergio, the deeper it kind of can root down in him.
1: Yeah, but if
4: it's anything
1: like the the trips that you and I take, mm-hmm. um, you know, the more I learn about it, the more I recognize I don't understand about it. Mm. And it, it, so my point is this, right? In the same way that, that Sergio, it doesn't matter how many times he comes up to the USA, visits and, you know, goes visiting stores in the market and consumers in the market – um, he's not going to have that same insight that Sean has, but vice versa. It right, Doesn't matter right. how many times Sean overnights on that ranch, and you know, digs up uh, a, a, an animal that's been cooking for twenty-four <laughs> hours, and and then wanders off into the the woods and uh, woods into the, the the wild and gets lost and mm, climbs up wheels, the mesa. Four he's, wheels
4: to see the sunrise.
1: Yeah, like he's <laughs> four wheels. He's never he's never going to have that same knowledge of. Uh, the land that Sergio does and yeah. I think I think it's which is
4: what makes them such a dynamic partnership same yeah. with Lucian Malena.
1: yeah 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 for for sure. but like it only makes it a dynamic partnership if they recognize those insights from the other person and and that's why I want to see more of these brands where the the real decisions at the end of the day like look, Sean doesn't need to protect the US market, right? the The U.S. market is not at risk of disappearing, and this right. I think is really the point I wanted to make in this episode. What is at risk of disappearing are these these cultural practices, um, the these environmental, you know, I'm going to say resources because it's the easiest word to use. But you know, I was at this conference, one percent for the planet conference, uh, global summit, uh, a, a couple months ago, and one of the phrases that uh, that they brought up was that we we aren't talking about natural resources we're talking about natural family that these things that we view as resources when you when you make them less than we're, we're part of them we're part of nature and if we view them as resources we put them at risk immediately because then we think of them as things that we use mm, mm-hmm, right
4: mm-hmm. it's it, like it, a commodity focused way of thinking yeah which could be dangerous yeah, right? yeah.
1: And, and that's sort of the point that I'm getting at with brand ownership outside of producers is the producer I think is far more connected to these things that that aren't just resources that aren't a commodity that that are literally the the keystones or cornerstones of life. And I want that person to have more control over what happens to those things than I want than I personally yeah. want to have control over. Yeah.
4: It. To me it seems like if those relationships have kind of that, um, like the arrow pointed in both directions, mm-hmm. education and mm-hmm. understanding and learning both ways. I mean, that is ideal yep. to me. Yep, yep, And that, so y- yes, more producer-owned brands, but also, yes, more of those like fabulous partnerships. Yes, and. Yes. <laughs> Let's improv it up.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, I think unless you got something else to add, I think that's...
4: That's all my smartness.
1: Okay, I like I like all your smartness as a conclusion then, Linda.
4: Hasta luego, amigos.
1: Hasta pronto. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agave roadtrip.com if you enjoyed this podcast please let us know and if you hated it well i'm sure you'll let us know that too you can also find us on facebook and instagram at agave road trip agave road trip is a production of 10 angry pit bulls inc Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio, supported by you for our freshest content. Subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com
3: slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education. Educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you hear on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stress capacity. And consult a doctor who
5: specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Aycock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening.
1: Agave Road Trip. Out.